I'm Eric Peckham, and this is the Monetizing Media Podcast. My focus is breaking down business opportunities across media, entertainment, and gaming. And today I'm discussing Roblox with my friend, Joe Ferens. Joe is the founder and CEO of GameFam, the first professionally run publisher on Roblox. They currently have eight games live that receive over 50 million visitors per month. Joe, welcome. Nine games. Nine games. Nine as games. Of, as of I, feel like, I feel like every time I talk to you, there are more games. Yeah, thank you. First of all, thank you for the introduction. Thank you for having me. But uh, yeah, well, creators are coming to us every day, every week and saying, hey, I have a game that I know is a great game, but I'm not sure how to make it successful. Is this something GameFam can, can get involved with? Can GameFam invest? Can GameFam bring this into their portfolio and work the KPI raising tactics that that we've become kind of well-known for within the Roblox community now. Yeah, well, I'm excited to dive more into that. I mean, we're talking on a pretty exciting day in Roblox history, uh, the public listing of Roblox, uh, which I think closed the day around a $45 billion market cap, um, which is incredible. I mean, this is a platform that, at least looking at the, um, the end of 2020 numbers from their S1 filing, you know, had 33 million daily active users, um, about 1.5% of those um, are on average are paying users that day um, and close to a billion dollars in revenue, albeit still with uh, a pretty hefty loss, but uh, that could certainly change soon. Um, I'd, I'd look, huh? Amazon's never made money, so. <laughs> there we go. Um, so I, I, I'd love to, I guess, start, um, just with some context as far as what GameFam's strategy is here. Um, you know, there are millions of creators on the Roblox platform. Um, yeah, I think the, the stats from Roblox officially are that there are, um, let's see, 4,300 uh, of those who make at least $1,000 a year, um, about 1,200 making $10,000 a year or more, and 300 in the 100K and above range. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'd love to understand how you think about the landscape of top creators and the people behind the top games and where GameFam sits within that. Yeah, I mean, it, it just, you know, just step back for a second. It's been an incredible rise of Roblox. I mean, I started following the platform in 2016 while doing consulting work uh, on the Hot Wheels brand and trying to understand the kids' digital entertainment landscape and starting, and see what is this thing, Roblox? And started tracking it. At that time, it had a few tens of millions of monthly active users. Now it has 160 million monthly active users. At that time, it was making under a million dollars a month in the mobile space. Now it's making sometimes up to a hundred million dollars a month almost in, in the mobile space. And so it's been a pretty wild kind of five-year ride that I've been on the platform playing the games and, and tracking it and, and being part of the community. And what we've seen is that basically Roblox started with very simplistic games for the most part created by amateur developers who had no intention of even necessarily monetizing their work. They were creating for the pure passion of it. And that aspect of the developer community still very much exists. And so kids will start playing Roblox when they're six, seven, eight, 
by 10, 11, they might decide they want to start making their first Roblox experience. We have developers here at GameFam who work for us full time who started making their first games at 10, 11 years old. And by 15, actually had games that had tens of thousands of daily visits and, and communities building up around these games, like our game Ultimate Driving, for example, that uh, Alex started developing that game when he was 15 years old. Now he's you know out of college and he works with us full time and it's fantastic, but that game's been around for, for years now. And so what's interesting is that there is this generation of developers who started developing in middle school or high school who are now coming into their college and post-college years who have grown up with this crazy growth curve of the platform. And a lot of those developers have incredible creative insight into what will make a hit Roblox game and don't really have access to a lot of the best practices in monetization and community management and retention increase that we have in the free-to-play mobile business, let alone kind of the deeper game design opportunities that drive a lot of those high-value creation uh, experiences within free-to-play games. And so that's where GameFam is really coming into the picture, is that we have spent years now on this platform. We've been officially on the platform for over two years, and I've been on the platform as a player and an observer for years before that. And we have now built a track record of finding incredible young developers and who have something special, but they don't know how to commercialize it. And we are here essentially to help them commercialize it. And that's what's been a really exciting creative collaboration with this new generation of development talents. Yeah. And, and working with brands too. I know you're the, uh, the force behind Mattel's uh, Hot Wheels game on the platform. And, and I imagine have other brands you're building games with. Yes. So we are a kind of a natural fit for brand partners. And as you could imagine with all the, the excitement around the IPO, we are fielding calls from brands, from investors, from superstar YouTubers who wanna make their own games. Literally every day I have one or two calls in that vein now. The Mattel partnership was our first partnership. I actually was ending my long-term uh, consultancy leading up game production for Hot Wheels when Roblox was on its ascendancy. And I pitched the company on needing to be on Roblox and saw this coming from a long ways away. And they agreed. And so when I started GameFam, it was it, knowing the brand so well and knowing the, the amazing people there so well, it was a really natural fit to make this game with Mattel. And it's really an important game. It's still in beta, but it has an 88% user rating. If you go on the wall, it's got comments, this game is amazing, this game is incredible, I can't believe this is real, you've made my childhood come to life. It's from a 10-year-old, by the way, 10-year-old saying, <laughs> you made my childhood come to life. Um, and, um, and what's important for us is that we've seen many other brands try to bring projects onto the platform and really struggle to even get any traction with users. We're in an organic beta with tens of thousands of daily visits to the game and very strong retention and session length KPIs. And we're doing a little more work before we start to scale the game, especially to make sure that the monetization potential is as strong as possible. But the point is that we've developed this game to be as authentic as possible from the outset. We actually worked with some of the most 
uh, well-known and original creators of driving games on the platform at Summit Studios. We then brought in a series of, of Robloxian, what we call the native Robloxian producers, designers, map makers to build this game out. And that we believe is, is absolutely critical at this stage of the platform is that these developers who have grown up playing these games and evolving their taste with the changing trends of the platform without that talent supporting you you are going to really struggle to make something that this community understands and accepts as being authentic and creatively exciting to the player base yeah i wanted to talk more about that the comparison of building on roblox versus building you know a mobile game uh, um, you know free-to-play pc game compared to the rest of game development what are the some of the fundamental distinctions on Roblox. Yeah, so it's it's it can be hard to put really words to it. I mean, there's let, let's just start with talking about the idea of Robloxiness, and Robloxiness is a interactive engagement and entertainment vernacular that you learn to speak as you spend time on the platform. We often liken it to moving to a foreign country as an American, you know, because our, our, a lot of our core leadership team was born in the United States. We said, well, you can move to France. You can learn to speak perfect French. You can marry a French partner. You can get a job at a French firm and you're French. You'll be French. You can be a French citizen, but you're never going to be French the way that someone who was born in Paris is French. And so there are certain things that make a game Robloxy that, the native Robloxians just intuitively and tacitly understand. And a lot of that is in terms of the monetization as well. There are certain conventions on the platform that done properly have a very high likelihood of monetizing and of creating the chance for profitable, uh, profitable game development on the platform. But we had to spend two years moving down an incredibly steep and long learning curve to figure out what those were. We came in for mobile free-to-play and we thought we would just tear it up here. We thought, oh, we're gonna bring better graphics, better game loops, higher retention, uh, higher lifetime user value. And we just took a lot of lumps in our first year on the platform. And in, even into the middle of our second year, we're really starting to hit our stride now, as I said, with now nine games live operating. We have a playbook of proven monetization tactics that we have been able to see they work in one game, we interpret them properly into another game, and we're able to then continue to lift monetization per player every month across most of our portfolio. Fascinating. And I'm curious, even just um, from a user acquisition standpoint, trying to get players to your game on Roblox, what does that look like, right? I mean, you can't run some of the campaigns that you can if you know, your game is an app in the app store and you have the whole world of, you know, everything from Facebook ads to um, ads in other games. Well, it's interesting. I mean, not only are the economics of Roblox right now are so unique that running off platform UA as we, as we refer to it, wouldn't even necessarily make economic sense when you're competing against mobile free to play games with which have a very different economic profile, very different profitability model. 
than Roblox games. What I can say is that we believe very strongly that there will be off-platform advertising in the near future. And we have a couple games that we are looking at, like our game Poly Battle, which is an incredibly good free-to-play shooter and kind of a capture-the-flag style experience. And we believe this game has all ages. We know this game has all ages potential. We know a significant portion of the audience is teenagers and up. And we are like, how do we get this message out? But you can't use traditional methods right now, even if you wanted to, because there's the friction of, well, not the friction, but there's the reality of, is everyone seeing your ad actually a registered Roblox user? Not to mention the, the ongoing optimization of deep linking from the, the mobile space into the Roblox universe and getting someone directly from an out-of-platform link into your game. But yeah. I'm sure over the next 6, 12 months that a lot of that is going to get optimized and it's going to open up a huge floodgates of marketing opportunities for our games, especially since so many of our games are all ages games that would we believe have appealed to you know, what people refer to as hardcore gamers. Yeah. As a developer with now nine games live, is there any benefit that accrues to you in the sense of being able to cross-promote your games? There is a massive data and tactical benefit to this portfolio, and there's a humongous recruiting benefit to it as well, because what's so important to us is making sure that everyone knows this is the home for the top creators on Roblox, that they need to be here at GameFam, getting the creative freedom and the suite of publishing support and proven value creation tactics that we bring to the table. And so that's where the portfolio really delivers for us right now is just continuing to build our reputation as the most friendly, fun, transparent, and value-focused team on this platform. And at the same time, the data from nine games is amazing. We can try different things. And then when they work, we bring them across the whole portfolio quickly. We also have a humongous library of, of assets that we can allow our producers to use to stage environments and quickly prototype things. So I think the portfolio side of it is already incredibly an incredible value add to the company. But as we grow and we start to build out the proprietary cross promo network that we do have planned, that value is going to increase you know, exponentially. Yeah. It, tell me more about the data that Roblox provides you in order to drive um, some of your development decisions. I mean, do you do you see the kind of ages of who's playing your game, the geographic breakdown, you know, the other games that your players tend to play by comparison? Yeah, there there's a number of different data services that Roblox provides to developers, and they each have different uses. Where we believe we are really shining and ahead of the curve is in utilization of a combination of Roblox native analytics, PlayFab and game analytics to create a series of hybrid automated dashboards that allow us much deeper insight into our games than we've seen any other developer have. It allows us to target specific KPIs, track our progress on those KPIs on a day-to-day basis, on a UA campaign, ROAS basis, and really just you know, turn the knob on driving growth across our platform. And Roblox's APIs for game analytics and PlayFab are absolutely crucial to that. And Roblox also provides some benchmark data uh, on a cohort basis that is available to any developer 
that is helpful uh, for making sure that we are always pushing to achieve the highest caliber of success on the platform. Yeah, whether it's quantitatively from some of the data you're provided or just anecdotally, are there clear clusters by age or perhaps even geography in terms of um, the most popular game genres on the platform? I think what we know from Roblox now is that from their S1, right? It's about 33% of players are in the US or North America, 33% are in Europe and 33% are spread across the rest of the world. And we can also see by time of day, the way different languages are being spoken in the chat, who is probably playing the game geographically. We don't have a huge amount of, of individual cohort insight into the geographies or the age breakdowns of our players right now. Roblox does provide a little bit of that age breakdown via their developer stats, but we are we would we would love to have a more granular and real time picture of it. We're not sure um, if if people are all if people are playing on their older brothers accounts, people playing on their parents accounts that they set up for them, which is all great and all part of you know the data noise that you have on any platform, but we really, we really have an intuitive sense of how old our, our gamers are. And then we also have 100,000 plus Twitter and Discord users across our portfolio. And we're able to run surveys and understand more about them and extrapolate that out to the community as a whole in terms of their age and their, and their geography. But right now, you know, this is, this is, a lot of this is, is, is gaming intuition. What does this community need? What does our social listing report say? And how can we better serve these gaming communities and create more value for them to then provide value back to us as a company? Yeah, gotcha. Well, I'd love to dig in more to um, Roblox's economy, right? I mean, here's a platform that has by and large been, um, it had a user base um, that's dominantly children of various ages where, you know, I think the perspective, uh, the critical perspective from a lot of people early on was great, but you can't monetize yeah. Um, yeah. kids, right? Obviously yeah. that has not yeah. been the case. They were wrong, weren't they? <laughs> um, but, but I'd love to better understand. I mean, I, I think one of the things that's so fascinating about Roblox and, and why so many people are talking about it right now is obviously it's not just one game or, or you know, a, a major game publisher. It's a platform with uh, you know, millions of games that have been created where the majority of Americans under 16 are active users. And it's not just about playing games. It's where they hang out, they socialize. It's truly a virtual realm. Um, and yeah. so thinking about- you know, the Metaverse, some people say this is, this is the metaverse. It's here, it's Roblox. A lot of people are saying that in the press, a lot of people, a lot of developers on the platform are saying that this is the metaverse. What are you talking about? This is Ready Player One. This is the only <laughs> here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, so the the currency on Roblox um, that players will spend money um, to buy is Robux, right? And I'd, I would love to dig in more on just understanding from a creator perspective, what are all the different ways you're able to monetize a game right now, right? Obviously, there's kind of goods within the game that a player can buy with Robux. Yeah. Um, you know, are there... Um, kind of expansion packs or ways to level up that you're able to enable, you know, able to add in, um, you know, to what extent are you already seeing advertising coming into the game? Yeah, uh, well, we 
have two main sources of revenue right now. One is IAPs and app purchases, and those come across a similar spectrum that you might imagine for mobile free-to-play in terms of buying progression, buying status, buying social, buying so buying gear that makes you look cool to your peers in the digital world. All of those things exist, although, as I said, they exist in a very different way on Roblox than they do in mobile free-to-play. It's, it's, it's far from a, from a one-to-one, but the overall principles of what players want are fairly similar. And, and then the other source of revenue is premium payouts. So Roblox incentivizes developers to make the best possible experiences by giving developers a payout for the engagement that their games generate, especially among Roblox's premium subscribers. And that is an additional source of revenue on a monthly basis. And then there's also the UGC catalog program where a select number of developers are able to monetize 3D items in the avatar catalog that can be used across any game that takes the standard your standard Roblox avatar as the player character in the game. And those are really the three sources of, of revenue right now. We are starting to get inquiries from brands that say, well, look, you've got two, three million plus daily visits to your network. You've got family friendly games that have great graphics that are highly rated experiences with great engagement per user, you know, 10, 15 plus minutes per visit to our games. What can we do in terms of buying a brand sponsorship and having a brand presence in one of your existing games? And those are conversations that we're just starting to have. And we feel very excited about the potential to create value for our brand partners and help our company grow through those type of deals potentially. Yeah. What's your relationship with Roblox um, you know, at the platform level when it comes to monetization and, and their product roadmap? Have they set clear guidelines around monetization strategies they encourage and those they discourage and prohibit? Or is it a bit open-ended where anything that you can come up with as a new model, you're allowed to do on the platform? I would say yes and yes in that Roblox, first and foremost, is concerned about COPA compliance and having the absolute safest environment for under 13-year-old gamers possible. And so everything always starts from that foundation. And there are a number of rules in place to prevent certain exploitative or you know, otherwise dodgy monetization practices on the platform. And then once you get past that, I think Roblox is just an exemplary partner in terms of it's an entrepreneur-led company, now a billionaire entrepreneur as of today. And congratulations to Dave and to the whole team at Roblox for an incredible IPO day and, and, and just such a great journey. But I think that they understand that this is an entrepreneurial platform where people are coming at, at all ages to say, hey, I want to start a business here on Roblox. I want to start a digital engagement business. I want to start a digital entertainment business on this platform, they are so focused on being a platform and not being a developer or a content creator. And that is what allows developers like GameFam and so many other developers we work with and that are in our, in our peer group here as some of the top earning developers to invest so wholly into developing on this platform is that kind of can-do spirit. So Roblox in conversations has always just been very encouraging of trying new ways for us to grow our business on the platform. Yeah, are you able to talk about um, any of the monetization tactics you've found most effective 
on the platform. I know you, we talked a little bit about comparisons to free-to-play, right? And obviously, in a lot of free-to-play mobile games, the dynamic is around from optimizing for whales, someone who will spend enormous amounts of money at a time mm-hmm. on a game. Mm-hmm. And, and to some extent, all the other players don't matter. You're just building a pipeline to keep pulling those specific yeah. users down. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I really think if you're going to come onto Roblox as a mobile free-to-play developer looking to bring your mobile free-to-play playbook, the first thing is don't. Step back. You've got to deprogram 10 years of orthodoxies around this core, this idea of onboarding a player into a deeper and deeper and deeper core loop, and then finding your highest spending players and getting more and more value out of them by providing them more and more value is, is the way is, is the way I like to think about it. Some people think about it a little bit more cynically, but regardless. Roblox is nothing like that at all. This is much more of a player's pain to have more fun. It's a more impulsive form of monetization. It's a more democratic source of monetization. And very few games are able to build that type of super high, super small percentage of super high LTV player loop that has driven mobile free to play for so long. So basically we just look to, we just look at what are the most fun parts of the game. And we try to serve up more of those in a premium way. And that is how we generally monetize our games and our games. You know, we have a couple games that have very high revenue per player relative to the platform. We have a couple games that have come into our portfolio that have had like Shootout, for example, it's a free to play cartoony shooter. We quadrupled monetization per player in that game by understanding what it was that players would want and then selling it to them in the most fun, exciting, delightful possible way, because that is what a younger player wants. They want to be excited to buy something. If you look at a mobile free-to-play player, and I don't mean to belabor the point here, but so many mobile free-to-play players brag about never spending money in their games. I've never heard a Robloxian brag about avoiding spending Robux. They're not even their money for most of them. For most of them, it's their parents' money. And for most of them, as we say, this is a metaverse. And in the metaverse, you're going to shop for things that you want and that you like and that bring you joy where if you're like me and you play summoner's war and you're like okay all right i can either grind out 50 more hours or i can plunk down 50 dollars and that's just a decision i need to make and i'm making a trade-off of my time versus how much i want to spend roblox is nothing is nothing like that in most cases i would say yeah i'm curious um and Summoner's War is a yeah. fantastic game. I just want to say to our <laughs> friends at Come To Us, fantastic game. I love it. I'm just saying, I sometimes I'm like, should I, should I grind or should I spend? Robloxians don't think that way. That's not the, yeah. that's not the heuristic by which players are deciding whether or not to convert. Yeah. Are, are you seeing any difference um, there having a portfolio of games that um, are somewhat targeted to different age demographics um, in terms of average revenue per user on those is there any distinction that's consistent? Like, you know, a younger child is spending more money because their parent is there with them versus a 14 year old. It's a bit of like, you know, get a job and and spend your own money. And so they actually are spending less in, in those games. I mean, given that we're working with developers who were teaching themselves how to monetize and coming to us with great games with, 
very nascent monetization systems. We just have so much upside left in each of these games that I can't yet say where a younger versus an older demographic matters. Uh, we just have so many tactics across games. You know, we have probably one or two surefire tactics in every game that we're now cross-pollinating across the portfolio. So I'd say ask me again in six months when we feel like we may have even come close to maximizing the lifetime user value within these games. And then I'll know more about whether specific genres or specific demographics have different willingnesses to pay on the platform. Yeah. Uh, what are your predictions? I and mean, if we if we kind of forecast five years from now, right, March 2026, yeah. what does the Roblox economy look like at that point in comparison today, right? I mean, obviously there's just sheer size, but thinking about users aging up, the product roadmap in terms of new features that Roblox is promising to developers, yeah, what does that world look like yeah well i mean the first thing is that game fam's game poly battle will probably be the number one shooter in the world by 2026 <laughs> so that's we hope so. to take note of and that our game ultimate driving drive anywhere do anything is is the call to action there will probably be maybe the number two game in the world or maybe it'll be number one i don't know but i think that the point is that roblox will be what Dave has envisioned it as for years, Dave's ambition from what he says at Roblox Developer Conference is boundless. He truly wants to create an all engaging social and entertainment platform. And he's the only CEO out there, in my opinion, and this is the only company with the real potential to own that space. Disney's not going to do it. Netflix isn't going to do it. It has to come from a place of gaming as the foundation because this generation, their foundation is gaming and gaming is going to continue, as we say, to eat the world. There's no doubt about it is that once you become a gamer, all other forms of entertainment start to really feel a little lackluster. Of course, there's always going to be a place for great TV shows. There's always going to be a place for great books and for comic books and for podcasts and all of these things will continue to thrive but an interactive entertainment is going to be the single biggest form of entertainment in the future. And Roblox is in just the perfect position to own that space. And it really, in some ways, I guess, be the Amazon of, of the entertainment business, providing uh, every experience you could look for under one roof eventually is where Roblox is Roblox's potential. Yeah. You're, Roblox right now, it's still a mostly closed economy in the sense of yeah, I think the the cutoff on the creator side to be able to convert the Robux you earn into your real world currency is a hundred thousand Robux, um, so a thousand dollars of earnings, um, which is only for you know the few thousand top creators. Uh, yeah. Do you see either in terms of where you think the platform is going in the next few years, or just what you think would take it to the next level? Um, do you think there's a point at which players should be allowed to? exchange Robux back into real world currency, right? Like if, if this is heading in the direction of being more of the metaverse and, and players and yeah. creators yeah. are increasingly the same, yeah, you, know, you provide value on the platform, you trade something with someone else, you yeah. know, and that can become real world money. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know 
Dave Bazuki very well. Personally, I've met him a number of times and he, he's, he's, he's a great guy. I feel like he would love that idea. I just feel like that would be a dream come true for Robux to become an actual IRL currency or a blockchain currency or something like that. But I, it, that's, that, that is some real future casting, Eric. Like, good, good on you. Good <laughs> on you. That's not even on my mind. I think what is on my mind, though, is NFT collectibles on Roblox mm -hmm. and those being available for resale somewhere off the platform for some kind of currency or being able to cash out your Robux for USD based on the, the transactions of NFT collectibles. I definitely think there's something very interesting there. And we're at day one of the NFT business becoming a consumer mass market. And Roblox very likely is gonna have a big role to play in that over the coming years. Yeah, give us an example of what you think that might look like on Roblox, right? Because you, know, you as a creator, say within one of your games, yeah. Yeah. have the capacity to create scarcity to have there be Absolutely. you know only a couple um of an item and players trade it etc um, and perhaps roblox would create a system across games uh that allows that but thinking about um you know an Ooh. item moving off platform right existing beyond that yeah well i think we have to we have to think ahead to a world where art and collectibles. If you look behind me, I've got art on my wall. If I turn the camera, you'd see toys on a shelf there, toys on a shelf there. We have to think ahead to a world where there's a hybrid of digital screens displaying what you own in the digital world and physical shelves displaying what you own in the physical world. And so in that world, it's like people who collect sneakers, okay? I live off of Fairfax Avenue in Los Angeles, right? I drive by the Supreme store, all the time. And there's that line down the street of people who want the new release of the Supreme gear. Why? I'm not really sure to be honest with you, but I'm pretty sure it's because <laughs> it's scarce and it's fashion and people want it and they want to show it off. And so if you look ahead to a world where you've got something that's fashionable and trendy. So for example, the skins that we have in shootout, we ship new skins into shootout every single week. And those skins are only for sale for a limited amount of time. And then they can be traded between players. And the trading is very valuable, but there's no way to validate the scarcity or rarity of those skins. But once you can, we can do what we do, which is create demand, create desire, and create the joy of the chase, the joy of fashion. And players will have those in their inventory. They'll be able to show them off in the metaverse and people will know socially that these have rarity and value to them. And then they'll be able to display them in their digital display cases in their homes as well. And then they'll be able to trade them back and forth and sell them on eBay. And it's, and in, in a world where half of your social life is physical and half of your social life is digital, your digital fashion items, your digital sneakers are going to be equally sought after and valuable. When you, when, when people go and buy the collector Nikes, on Fairfax Avenue, and they wait in line all night to get that shoe drop, what do they do with them? They, they take a picture of them, they put them on Instagram, they put them in their closet, and maybe once in a while they wear them inside to impress their friends. I don't see digital collectibles being any different. The only difference right now is you can validate that there's only 200 pairs of those of the Yeezys created or 2000 pairs of the Yeezys in an addition, right? But you can't validate that off the blockchain for digital collectibles. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fascinating to think about um, 
you know, the, the power of those sort of like to have a, a drop, right. Or like a limited edition time bound um, item on Roblox, like thinking about, you know, we've started to see some big musicians have concerts on Roblox, yeah. right. Yes. Like if, if there are a specific number of collectors items for participants in that concert, yep. yeah, that, that are all there ever will be. Right. My um, avatar wears the little Nas X rhinestone cowboy hat. <laughs> I've been wearing it there since we the Nas X concert. So it was, a, it was a free item I got by going to the concert. And I thought it sat very well on my hybrid Cyclops Flamingo avatar. And I've been using it ever since. I get a lot of compliments on it, actually. <laughs> um, I, well, I'm curious, you know, on that note, I think one of the big question marks that a lot of people in terms of kind of business leaders, investors, have with Roblox is around the idea of aging up the audience, right? So people, when they get into their early mid-teens, just leave and they go to other games. Yeah. Um, you know, I know you're of the perspective, this this is kind of the centerpiece for a new generation and it is aging up with them. I'm curious, are things like these concerts, kind of non-gaming social experiences that are increasingly popping up on the platform, part of attracting somewhat older people back to the platform or to it for the first time? Or do you see this really as, it, there aren't necessarily older people coming to the platform for the first time en masse. It's really just this cohort continuing to be entertained in new ways as they get older. I mean, look, when Little Nas X is debuting his new song on the platform, that has got to be bringing new people onto the platform, both younger and older. When you have a huge pop star like that debuting their work on the platform, when you have Wonder Woman debuting their trailer for WW84 on the platform, that is going to bring in people who want to check it out. Look, it's free. It's free to make a Roblox account. It's free to play almost every experience on the platform. So what is holding back a mass influx of older gamers. Well, that's just waiting for the killer app. And we are trying, we think that that could be Polybattle. That could be ultimate driving. That could be a number of games that we have in development with top global brands that already have that mass market pop culture appeal. And it all, and, and that could happen any day. There could be that angry birds of Roblox that makes Roblox go completely four quadrant. At the same time, this cohort that is playing Roblox right now at 10, at 12, at 14, is absolutely gonna age up with Roblox because the game content is getting more and more sophisticated every month and Roblox is supporting that through their technological development. And we know, as I said, we have 100,000 social media followers across Discord and Twitter. Those are all 10, 11, 12 and up up through college age kids. We know we have a ton of college age players in our games. And we know a number of the other games on the platform are mostly high school and college focused as well. So it's already aging up. It's just not, it just doesn't have that big, big tent killer app quite yet. And we're hoping that we are going to be the company that creates it. Yeah. Are there specific, we're planning, we're planning to be the company that creates it. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. 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 Are, are there specific, um, from a product standpoint, specific needs you have in order to build what you think is the killer app? I know um, Roblox is, is promising as product roadmap, you know, much higher end graphics, a number of other things. Do you view those as critical pieces or at the end of the day, is it less about um, 
you know, the visuals are, are some of those um, product improvements, and it's more about some other game design, just creative decision. Um, I think visuals are generally important. You know, like my one of my favorite YouTubers, Dunkey says, found graphics the foundation of gaming. I think that if you look at Minecraft and Minecraft being an, you know, an all ages game, although with a very heavy kid component and in that way, not very different than Roblox, but maybe kind of more known for having a, a broader audience range, whether rightly or wrongly, Minecraft is not about graphics at all. And Roblox has historically not been about graphics. And you can look at games like Super Hot that just own that low poly look and are multi, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue in the hardcore triple A, whatever you want to call it, gaming space. Or you can look at Nintendo and how Nintendo, yeah, the graphics have improved, but Mario 3D from the Wii to the Switch, uh, you know, it's not that different in a lot of ways. So I just think, I, I guess the answer is both, you know, there can be a big tent super hit that is based in more of a low poly look and feel that is not an inhibitor to a super hit. But in the long run, you do need those increasingly photorealistic graphics to have the biggest possible reach into the gaming community. We can have a huge hit with poly battle as a low poly shooter, but we are still going to be disadvantaged against a game like Call of Duty that has photorealistic graphics and the same quality of, gra of, of you know, latency and performance for hardcore competitors. So, but the, the good news is the idea of something like Roblox, even the graphics that are possible on Roblox today and the lighting that's possible on Roblox today would have been unthinkable 10 years ago. And the graphics that we take for granted on our mobile phones now when we play mobile games would have been completely impossible in, in 2010 to do the things we do playing Fortnite in real time on our mobile phones. It's wild. So yeah. in five years, will Roblox have AAA photorealistic graphics? I mean, certainly they'll be getting closer to it if they're not already, if they're not all the way there. Yeah. I, I'm curious, do you think in terms of this metaverse vision, you know, and, and Roblox is a place to hang out is one of the technical needs or at least improvements that would advance it a lot farther there. Um, basically expanding dramatically how many players can be on a single shard of the game at once. Or is that not really a restriction to a high quality experience? Right? Like you know, if, if you can have ten thousand people attending a little Nas X concert actually in the same shard bumping into each other. It's a very interesting question. I mean, the short answer is I think it's pretty clear that the attractiveness of these type of concert events, whether they're in Fortnite or, Ro or, or, or Roblox or wherever they're going to show up next, doesn't seem to be held back much by a 100-player server limit. Mm. 100 players in a small digital space all jumping up and down feels pretty full and pretty fulfilling, I think, to most gamers. In the long run, are there things that you can do by having 500 players in a server, 1,000 players in a server, 10,000 players in a server? Yeah, there are new ways of gaming and new types of entertainment experiences that we have not even conceived of yet. 
And Roblox has been very adamant about trying to make servers bigger and bigger. This is a platform that is rooted in social play at its very essence and everything about it drives to and from social. So they are always working to make 100 player servers run as smooth as possible and then to continue to push up to 200 players. And from there, it's gonna to continue to go up. I mean, this isn't that different than so many other aspects of the technology business. We're gonna see more and more players with better and better performance over the years, I'm sure. We just don't know what that's gonna even look like, but it hasn't been an inhibitor. My point yeah. is this, you have 33 million people or whatever showing up to see a little Nas X concert over a weekend in Roblox. I think you're, you're, doing, okay. there. you're, you're yeah. doing all right. Yeah, <laughs> that's more people than can attend a concert in real life, that's for sure. Yeah. That's more people than are at Coachella. Ever. By a lot. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, Joe, thank you so much. I'm I'm excited to see GameFam uh, launch more games and and grow its existing ones to a whole other level. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Always a pleasure to chat with you, and looking forward to connecting again soon. Same here. Thanks to everyone for listening to the Monetizing Media podcast. You can join the Monetizing Media newsletter and find other resources like a database of investors who focus on media and entertainment startups at monetizingmedia.com.